Hello and welcome to the Crude Report, Argus's weekly podcast series on global crude oil markets. This is Chris Knight, and I'm a reporter who covers energy policy from Washington, D.C. Uh, so today we're coming up on a, the one-year anniversary of a day when the primary U.S. benchmark for crude, the West Texas Intermediate Contract, fell to a negative price for the first time. And it wasn't a small drop, but a $55 per barrel decline on April 20th to settle at a price of negative $37 per barrel. To discuss what happened in oil markets on April 20th, and then discuss the specialized oil contract used at high levels that day, we have Commissioner Dan Berkovitz, who is one of four members on the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Commissioner Berkovitz, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. To set things up a bit, uh, the West Texas Intermediate Contract, or WTI, is a specific grade of light sweet crude, and its main contract is based on activity in Cushing, Oklahoma. Commissioner Berkovitz, can you give us a quick sense of why the WTI contract is so important in the world of oil and also how it can have effects outside of oil markets? Well, th thank you, Chris. Uh, and our, our benchmark, as you've noted, the uh, WTI contract is, is a, a global uh, benchmark used around the world. Even though WTI itself is a, is a crude oil, particularly to Texas, uh, over the years, uh, it has grown into a global benchmark and is used uh, by, by traders all around the world uh, as a pricing reference for uh, light sweet crude. Uh, now that, that the U.S. Uh, is a significant exporter of crude oil, that has only um, increased its uh, global significance. And, and usually, um, you know, we see the price of the WTI contract change by 50 cents. On, on a big day, it might change three or four dollars. As someone sitting on the regulatory side or, or someone who's just been watching uh, oil markets for a while, what's what's the significance of a $55 drop in a single day? Tell me tell me what that looks like on, on your end. Well, this, this was totally unprecedented, uh, really historic day in the oil markets in terms of the $55 drop. Um, just a few months uh, prior to that, oil had been trading $55, $60 a barrel. That was the price the price of oil. And, and you're correct, we may, we may see uh, cent differentials or even dollar differentials on, on, on a significant day, uh, but to have a $55 day drop, uh, excuse me, $55 a barrel drop in one day was truly uh, something off the charts that, that we, hadn't, we hadn't seen before. And there was also, we can talk about further too, a, a, a significant disconnect between the uh, futures markets and, and the other derivative markets and the physical market as well uh, associated with that significant price change. There's been a lot of stories written about what might have caused WTI prices to drop so much. There were factors like limited uh, storage capacity in Cushing, um, increased production, the effects of COVID-19. And the CFTC had its own interim report uh, they put out in, in late November. Uh, but you said that report was inadequate and incomplete. Could you describe briefly what, what you'd like to see more coming out of the CFTC on, on reviewing that? Sure. So what, what the report did that, that we put out was basically set the conditions uh, for um, what, what happened uh, around that time of year. The report talked about general the macroeconomic conditions, the supply uh, conditions generally, and the demand conditions in the market at that time. And as you recall, and we're, we're still in somewhat of a COVID-stressed uh, period, but back then, th this was April, the world had basically gone into a lockdown uh, in March, and 
supply was still basically the, the production that had occurred over the past few months pre, pre-pandemic, but then the, the demand drop-off uh, was really absolutely uh, also unprecedented. Air, airplanes stopped flying, people stopped traveling, people didn't commute to work anymore, so the gasoline demand was was way down, industrial demand was, was down too. So there were very unique supply-demand conditions um, at, at that time, about a, a year ago, which uh, created this tremendous imbalance. Um, but so that that really was the stage for what what happened at the expiration on on April twentieth of, of last year. What um, I would like to see, given the magnitude of the price drop on that day, plus it's not only the magnitude of the price drop on that one day, but it's the rebound the next day. Um, and as I mentioned before, it's also the disconnect between the futures markets and the physical markets, as well as the, the, the futures market and other derivative markets on that day. So the disconnect between the WTI price and other derivatives in the physical uh, uh, market is actually, I, I believe, the very significant fact, uh, not necessarily just the absolute magnitude. The absolute magnitude is, is a, obviously an important indicator. But it's that disconnect that I think we need to um, really get to the bottom of. And and looking at the macro, why there was volatility in the market is is very helpful background, but it doesn't really explain exactly what happened that day. And the report itself acknowledges that. The report report itself says this is not a root cause analysis. So um, I I was disappointed in the report at the time, and and, and I hope uh, that that, that we'll... uh, We'll be able to provide an explanation uh, of exactly what happened uh, uh, in, in the future. So you you focus in particular in some statements that you've released publicly um, on a type of, of contract called trading and settlement or TAS. Um, I actually wasn't familiar with this type of contract before I read some of your statements. So could you walk us through uh, what TAS is and, and why a trader might want to use it? Sure. So trading at settlement, it, it's it's a it's a futures contract, um, and and it's a it's a particular order type. So normally, if you go and buy a futures contract, um, you'll see the price posted. You know, it's fifty five dollars a barrel, uh, and you'll put in a bid to buy it at fifty five dollars a barrel. That's the price that's shown on on the board at the time or on your computer at the time. Uh, trading at settlement is a useful mechanism for a lot of traders who don't necessarily want the price. If you're trading at ten in the morning and the contract settles at two, the final contract price settles at two thirty in the afternoon, and you've got a, a contract in the physical market, you're a producer or a supplier or a purchaser or whatever a refiner, and your physical contract is is tied to the settlement price of WTI. You want to get um, from the futures market. A price as close to the settlement price as you can possibly get because that's what your physical price is. So there's a mechanism that the exchanges have. It's been a very useful mechanism called trading at settlement, where you don't get the price on the board like at 10 in the morning if you put in your bid. You say, I want the price, the settlement price. Uh, and and you can say, I'll take the settlement price plus a tick or plus two ticks or less than a tick. There's slight variations off the settlement price. So you get the settlement price and that enables you to get extremely accurate hedges for your your physical contracts. So the TAS contract is priced off the settlement price rather than an outright price that that you'll see see, see on on the board. And it's it's useful. It's, It's in a number of products. It's used in agricultural products. 
and uh, it's used in the energy markets uh, as well. Um, so that that's that's basically what the task contract is. And and you talked about you know in the past the CFTC has brought enforcement actions related to the TAS contract. Um, you noted that trading was particularly high in this type of contract on April twentieth. How can someone use this type of contract um, in a way that that doesn't um, uh, comply with the commission's rules? So 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 right so immediately uh, right right after the the event happened, uh, there were a number of press reports. Um, um, indicating that that TAS trading at settlement was uh, used uh, to a large degree on, on April 20th. That there was a, a big presence of TAS contracts, um, and and um, our our report that we did, um, the, the interim report that we were talking about just a minute ago, uh, the statistics we did put out in that report statistics on TAS trading uh, on that day, and it was a very very um, unusual day in terms of the amount of task trading. So our, our report did confirm the public reports that there was a lot of task trading on, on April 20th. What our report didn't do was analyze the effect of the task trading. Now, now the, the problem with TAS or the potential problem with TAS that, that we've had, um, uh, we, we had two uh, manipulation cases, um, uh, attempted manipulation case um, uh, on on TAS is when you when you typically if you have for example a spread contract you have you you buy you have a, a long and a short in the same commodity maybe in different months you're both long and short at the same time so if if you were to try to manipulate you, you buy you you may try to push up the price by buying a lot but then eventually you have to sell so you're going to push down the price so there's a symmetry on a normal spread contract between the buy and the sell, which makes it much more difficult. I won't say impossible, but it, it makes it harder to um, to manipulate through through buying and selling. On TAS contracts, though, the the TAS doesn't settle. It's not priced until the settlement. So if if you have um, if you go long TAS, for example, so you've bought a contract. You're going long. You will you you pay, and and you you will the price that you will pay will be determined at at uh, at, at the settlement. Now, if on the other hand, throughout the day before you get there, you start selling a lot of outright contracts. So the more you sell, presumably, uh, typically a, a selling of a contract will have a, a an impact on price, especially when liquidity is um, is getting uh, less and less, as as tends to happen in a contract uh, as it goes towards settlement. So you're selling throughout the day, um, going short, and you've got the long contract that you're going to buy at the end of the day. So as you're buying through the day, you're helping the price go down through your sales, which ultimately is pushing down the price that you're going to buy at, at, at the end of the day. So you end up selling high, uh, buying low. And, and, and it's a mechanism that has been used in that manner intentionally. Uh, we've brought the two cases on it. Um, the CME has issued a market uh, uh, advisory notice saying, we're watching, uh, uh, don't, don't abuse the task process. So it's a mechanism that we know can be abused. As I say, it's a useful mechanism, but because of the way it's priced, um, uh, one one leg of the uh, one leg is not priced until settlement, and the other leg is priced uh, at the market price when when the transaction occurs. 
it creates this potential for uh, abuse and, and uh, uh, artificial pricing throughout the day. So it, it's something that has to be watched very carefully. And given the prevalence of its use on on um, uh, April twentieth, um, I'd like to I'd like us to see an analysis of, of exactly what happened in that regard. And, and is this something that the the CFTC can can pull up data on on trading and figure out whether it happened retroactively? Basically, the data already exists. You you just have to analyze it to see if if correct okay. correct correct. We have to analyze the data, um, but it's not necessarily so simple as just looking looking at spreadsheets. I mean, you really uh, have to you know talk to market participants and, and and a variety of market participants and understand. The liquidity at the time and and what was going on at, at the various times. It's not getting the data is absolutely critical, and there's really you know unless you have the the, the, the trade plotters or whatever, you, you can't really determine it. But it also requires um, um, more than just uh, uh, data analytics. And so you know we've been talking about kind of looking at that type of contact on the back end. Um, is there anything the CFTC or exchanges could do on on the front end? to uh, make it harder for, for traders to, to use the TAS in, in an improper way? Well, uh, I, I've been concerned. Um, you know, we, we just did the uh, position, our position limits rule, um, uh, our multi-year effort to, to uh, uh, update the position limits rules required by the Dodd-Frank Act. And the, and, and the rule, the new revised rule, um, went into effect March 15th. Um, I expressed concern at the time last year that the TAS, because of this potential, that there should be a, a limit on the speculative use of, TAS, of TAS. As I mentioned, TAS is a very useful mechanism for, for hedgers because you can, you can get through the futures market the exact price that your physical contracts are priced at, the settlement price. But I've asked the question, and to which I, I don't have, uh, I haven't received a in my view, a satisfactory answer is okay. A task for hedging is 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 appropriate and needed, um, but why do we need unlimited use of tasks by speculators uh, because of this very potential um, for either intentional or unintentional um, um, artificial prices? It, it, it's not just somebody can go in and 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 as we've seen in, in our examples, try to push the price through use of tasks. And the examples we have actually were not the numbers of contracts that they they did it through were not way above the position limits. One one was slightly above the position limits, but one one was even within it. So you don't need to, to exceed position limits actually uh, for for it to be a potential problem. But right now there's no limit on it. There's no speculative limit on on uh, the use of TAS contracts, and because I believe of its relatively uh, unique um, properties where where it creates this asymmetry in the pricing that you can push the price um, and yet be be net zero. You've got a, a short contract at outright and a long contract at as and under our position limits rules, those net out. There's no position. Your, your position is is even. Um, why we why can't we put on a speculative limit on that um, is is a, is a question I haven't had the answer to. So I, I think we should have speculative limits on pass and allow it. You know, for hedgers if they need it, they come in and they get a hedge exemption. Um, and uh, so I, I think our rules can accommodate that. So that's where I'd like to see us uh, potentially move in the future. 
and I think this will probably be my, my last question. Um, going back to the interim report that came out in November, um, you said at the time that you thought it was really important for the commission to put out a, a full and complete report on what happened. I think there's probably a temptation by a lot of people to say, hey, negative prices were a fluke. Um, it was caused by a once in a century pandemic. Um, what's the need to, to act quickly and, and, and to have the CFTC definitively come out and say, here's, here's what happened? Well, that uh, I, I think one of the strengths of our markets is, is the confidence in, in the integrity of our markets that people around the world have. We started this interview talking about WTI as a global benchmark. And I get asked that question, well, what, what, why is WTI the global benchmark? Well, one, one reason is people have confidence in the contract. And they know it's a well-regulated contract, and they know there's a cop on the beat. They know that if you trust your money to the U.S. Uh, US derivative markets, that, um, you know, that, that uh, it, there are customer protections, uh, there's market integrity, and there's somebody doing surveillance, and there are rules to prevent general abuse. You don't think you're going to get, you know, taken, taken that you're going to get a fair price. And so part of the reason um, uh, for the success of the contract is the integrity of the contract. Now, to the extent that I, I to the extent that, well, this is a, a once in a hundred year pandemic, um, that's true. But we have, we've had just in the past year, we've had hundred year um, events all over the, uh, in a number of areas. We had a, we had a hundred year pandemic. We had last year, we had a uh, hundred-year fires in California. We just had a hundred-year cold coming down in the Midwest. Uh, there was disruptions in the Texas electricity market. Our one of the one of the and, and one of the functions of the market and the strengths of the market. Why people hedge is to protect against these extreme events. So so the markets have to be able to withstand extreme events as long as well as as normal events. And what we may think is a hundred-year event. Um, Really, I've been in the market a while, and I think there's a lot of folks in the market. I remember doing a, a natural gas uh, investigation, an Amaranth case, and I did the data about the uh, the price fluctuations caused by um, Amaranth trading, um, large trading in the natural gas market. And I remarked to one trader, looking at the data, this is a Six Sigma event. And his response to me was, we see Six, six Sigma events every other day here in the natural gas market. So... Um, I think we need to understand uh, what happened, and then we need to work with the exchanges and and and, and the affected um, you know, stakeholders, the, the traders, to put in to put rules in place that will enable the important function of hedging to continue. That hedgers can use this this mechanism to meet their contractual needs at the same time, uh, put in sensible protections against uh, potential abuse. So it, it's. It's um, uh, protecting everybody uh, in in the in the in the market in the times when it most needs the protection in stressed conditions is really when you want to be able to rely on a market. Ensure that if yes, if there you, you put on a hedge, that uh, in in a, in and you've got a contract that on, on an expiration in a hedge in a, in a time of market stress that you're going to get a settlement price that's reflective of supply and demand, not a settlement price that's going to be reflective of of some uh, potentially um, uh, price artificiality. So I think it's important even in the rare events that the market uh, 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 ha have integrity and reliability. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it very much.